I want us to go back to Isaiah chapter 30. That's where we ended up. I want to come back to Isaiah chapter 30. And uh, we'll look at this passage of scripture together. I appreciate uh, Brother Timmy kind of taking the lead. And then Brad sharing on Wednesday night for me. Last minute I called him. I was up with a family. Uh, we, at that point in time, we did not even know if Sylvia would make it for, through the next several hours. And so I just felt like I needed to stay there with the family. And thank you for all those of you here Wednesday night and all those of you who prayed and uh, asked God's blessing. I'll remind you once again, this book's written 700 years before Jesus ever came. This morning, the opening assembly, Rick, Ricky read to us Psalms 22, Matthew from the book of Matthew. Psalms 22 is written ahead of a time before the cross, but it's, a, it's an awesome depiction of the death of Christ. And when Isaiah it was given his prophecies, Isaiah was living 700 years before Christ ever came. We'll remind you once again, the kingdom has been divided. Ten tribes to the north and two to the south. And because of their rebellion and their sin against God, God brings judgment. How many of you know that sin always brings judgment? Raise your hand. How many of you know that for the believer, sin, you don't sin cheaply as a believer. The Bible said God chastens his children. He disciplines us. And he, he chastens us to correct us. But sin has consequences in the life of the believer and in the life of a lost person. And the wages of sin is death. And so when you come to this point in your life, like Israel, you might as well expect God's fixing to do something. God is sending the Assyrian nation, raised up a, a, a heathen nation that's going to come and take his people into captivity because of their sin. God has an ultimate plan. God's going to work. And what's confronting them now, the southern kingdom, is the fact that this great Assyrian army under the leadership of a man by the name of Sennacherib is approaching them. I mean, the, the, the storm clouds are gathering. They're panicky. I mean, they've sinned against God. They've rebelled against God. And they, they just sense that judgment's coming. And I know that there are people in this building who know God and walk with God and you have the Holy Ghost of God in you. And if you've got any spiritual discernment at all, you're standing right now where Isaiah stood and where they stood. You sense that judgment is on the forefront for America. If we don't have repentance and we don't have revival, my dear friend, that cloud of judgment is moving this away. And I'll tell you, we need to get warned. We need to be forewarned about it and ask God to grant mercy and ask God for revival and pray that we could see some people saved and that God would, would, God would uh, uh, give us a space still to repent and to see God do something here in America. I believe you can have individual revival. I believe we can have local revival. Now, I believe God still can do that. God will do that if we'll seek his face. God will do that for anybody who will seek his face and want it. Now, What's going to happen? What's going to happen in this prophecy? They are going to repent. They are going to turn to God. And God, God's going to grant them mercy. God's going to do a miracle. He's going to send a death angel through the camp of the Assyrians. When they get up in the morning, there'll be 185,000 dead Assyrians. And the rest of the army is going to tuck tail and run. But that's just a, just, just a short time. Because, you know, isn't it strange that somebody will seek God and pray God when they're tight? And they'll make promises to God. I hear people all the time stand up in this church and say, I've been away from God. I got a fellowship with God, but God did this and I've got back and they'll be back two Sundays in a row. Say amen. amen. 
I'm going to tell you right now, when God rings your bell, you better answer the phone and you better keep your promises. You better keep your promise. Next time you may not have space to repent. You may end up on the other side and uh, God may touch you. God may do something in your family that you don't want to have to pay that price. And I'll tell you, listen, let's be serious and do what God wants us to do. Look with me, please, at this chapter. I want to preach to you this morning on this thought from rebellion to revival, from rebellion to revival. Look in in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 30. Woe unto the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take control, take counsel, but not with me, and that cover with a covering, but not by my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Boy, look at that. There's an exclamation point right there. The Holy Ghost of God put that. And that means when you, you know, when you studied grammar and you have the period, the question mark, boy, that exclamation point means for emphasis. And here's a holy God who penned this, wrote this in the Bible. And God is emphasizing and astounded that this people would seek counsel, but not of him. And they, they'd walk down into Egypt, down into Egypt. Now, why was that so, why did that so astound God? Because he, God's the one who heard their cry. When he said, bring us out of Egypt. And now they turn right around and they want to go back where he brought them from. And they're going to seek counsel down there. And God says, I want to, I just want to put an exclamation point behind that. Because it, it, it's an astounding thing. Verse 3. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame. And the trust in the shadow of Egypt be your confusion. For his princes were at Zorin and his ambassadors at Haines. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be a help, nor profit, but a shame and also reproach. The burden of the beast of the south into the land of trouble and anguish. From whence come the young and old lions, the vipers, the flying, uh, the fiery flying serpent. They will carry their riches upon their shoulders, upon asses, and their treasures upon the branches of candle, uh, camels to the people that shall not profit them. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this people. Now listen, their strength is to sit Still, Now I'm going to come back to that thought, but here they are. They're going down to Egypt. They loading up all their beasts of burden. They are hauling all of their treasures, all their riches. They're going to go down what God's blessed them with in the land of promise. They're going to carry what the treasure that God gave them, put it on their camels, their beast of burden and carry it back down in Egypt and give it to a people. That's not going to help them, not going to profit them at all. They're going to lose the treasure. And they're going to lose uh, uh, the, the help that they think they're going to get. And notice verse number eight. Now go write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come and forever. Now here, here's the message. He wants us to understand that what's going on in them, as he said in New Testament, is for our learning, for our admonition. Why do you think he spent all that time writing all the Old Testament? It's for our learning, for our admonition. He said, I want you to put this down. So somewhere along the line in Johnson County, in Benson Grove Baptist Church, there'll be some people that read this. And they say, huh, that sounds a lot like us. And it sounds a lot like me. And if God made promises for them, 
Maybe he'll do the same thing for me. And look what he said. Write it down. For this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seer, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Isn't it an awful thing when some people say, I don't want to hear preaching. Just quit all that preaching. If you're going to do anything, you preach something smooth, preach something that doesn't bother me. And listen, you tell God to leave us alone. Oh, you say, Brother Billy, I never would do that. I never would say that. But you have. Some of you in this building have said, God, you leave me alone. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to act just like I want to act. And God, you just leave me alone. Well, look what happened. Verse 12. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise my word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore is iniquity, this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out of a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly in an instant. Years ago, I read a book about Tocoa Falls, Georgia. There's a great lake up there and a dam, and they had a tremendous rain, flood, and down below that was the town of Tocoa, and Tocoa, Coa Falls Christian College, and that night, that weight of that water against that dam eventually broke that dam, and all that water come rushing through in the middle of the night. They never knew what hit them. And he says to Israel, he said, you've turned your face away from God. You rejected the word of God. He said, I want you to know there's a great dam right here, and it's holding back judgment. It's called the patience and the mercy and the grace of God. But he said, you've just rebelled so against me. I want you to know one thing. He said, that thing's fixing to break. That great swelling, that, that judgment that's building up. He said, it's fixing to fall on you. And he said, it's going to come suddenly and it'll come in an instant. Notice verse number nine. And he shall break it as a breaking of a potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare so that there shall not be found in it. Uh, in the bursting of it, a, sh- a shed to take fire from the hearth or to take water with out of the pit. Now, that's a, that's a terrible situation, isn't it? He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break Israel like a pot or break a vessel. And he said, it's not going to be just a little bitty breaking. He said, it's going to be something. He said, sometime you might fall and something might split half in two. It might break in quarters. And you can take, a, take the handle of that vessel and, and you at least could take it and you could scoop out the ashes out of the fireplace with it. Or you might could just take somewhere you want to dip some more water out and you dip the water out with it, just a piece of it, you know, a little bit at a time. But he said, you won't be able to find enough of that vessel to do anything with when I get through with it. Now, that's an awful thing, isn't it? This morning in Brother Brad's class, he asked me to go in and talk to about the Holy Ghost for a few minutes. And I shared a few way back down two years ago, two or three years ago in Bible Institute. One night I had to fill in and teach on the Holy Ghost. And 
And he said, I shared some things, three C's. I said, I don't have a clue what it was. And I said, sometimes those things, you know, just come in my heart. And I don't even write no notes about them. But he reminded me. And so I wrote a few more down. But here's, I think, what I said. I said, the Holy Ghost will confront you. He's going to confront you. He'll hem you. He's going to come talk to you from the preacher or through the word of God or somewhere. He's going to confront you. And when he confronts you, he is going to convict you. He's going to point his finger at you and talk about your need and your, 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 your heart. And boy, listen, can I tell you something? For a believer, that's not a bad thing. Boy, I want to tell you that nearly about every time I get in a service somewhere where there's a man preaching. In fact, I get under conviction sometimes with my own preaching. Holy Ghost of God speaking. Boy, I love it. I, I'm glad I can still hear his voice. I'm glad he can still put his finger on something in my life and let me know that I got, I'm not right there. Not There's an area I need to improve. I need to get right in. But he'll confront you. You think he's just nonchalant sitting around here? You think he'd give his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to suffer and bleed and die for you and then sit back in glory and say, okay, now y'all take it or leave it. No, no, he doesn't do that. He sends the Holy Ghost to God and he confronts every man and woman, boy and girl with the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sin because you are a sinner. He convicts you of your sin. And when the Holy Ghost of God hems you up, he not only convicts you of your sin, but he convinces you of your sin. You can sit around and tell me, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so and so-and-so, and I'm not like this, not like that one. But when the Holy Ghost of God gets a hold of you, you know what you'll do? You'll holler calf rope. I give up. It's him. I am, I am a sinner. But now let me tell you how, how wicked sin is. The human heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the, when the Holy Ghost of God confronts some people, when he convicts them of their sin, and he even convinces them of the sin, and they acknowledge the fact they're sinners... They still won't do anything about it. There you are right there. There's people that know they're not right. They know they're not close to God. They know as a believer they got things in their heart ought not to be there. And there are people that are lost and they recognize the fact that they're lost. But they still don't respond. The Holy Ghost of God not only will confront you and convict you and convince you of your sin. But my dear friend, he will condemn you because of your sin. Because there's some people say, well, you know, I'm a sinner, but so is everybody else. You know, look around here. I'm good as anybody else. I'm good as anybody. But when the Holy Ghost of God condemns you, it's just like when that doctor tells you you have terminal cancer. It changes your whole outlook on life. Boy, it'll change everything about you. And when the Holy Ghost of God condemns you for sin, he said he came to reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And when the Holy Spirit of God condemns you for that sin and said the wage of sin is death, my dear friend, you acknowledge the fact not only that you are a sinner, but there's an awful consequence to it. Now, when you come to that point in your life and you recognize that if you go on, you'll be in hell, you stand at the most important point in all of your life, not your birth, not even your death. But the most important time in your life is when you know you're a sinner and you know that you're guilty and you know that death and hell awaits you if you don't get saved, if you don't trust Christ. And my dear friend, at that point in time is when you say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't have any hope of heaven. I have no goodness in me. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and dying for me. Come in my heart and forgive my sin. Save me right now. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. And my dear friend, if you do that by grace, you'll save you. But now watch what happens. If, I, if all I could do is get you to the point of being condemned, that's rebellion. But from rebellion to revival, I want us to get to revival. Notice what he says in verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not. They would not respond. Now, I'm going to leave off the reading there, but I'm going to, I, we'll get to revival in a minute. But he said right there is the key to it. It is returning. Will you bow with me? I want to pray again. Heavenly Father, I, now I pray the Holy Ghost of God. God, already what you spoke to our heart about, our fathers enough that God, we ought to be around the altar already. But God, I pray you'd make this real to hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice, and I'll be just real quick here. Notice it, the hindrance to revival. What is it keeps us from having a revival in churches across America? Thank God for a little spark here and a little spark there. Notice what he said about this crowd. Number one, they have a misplaced trust. They've got a misplaced trust. We put on our money in God we trust. That ain't a bit more true than nothing in the world. Not in America. They have a misplaced trust. Here's the God who they were in bondage down in Egypt. They cried out to him for mercy. And God sent Moses and delivered them out. Came down to the Red Sea and they couldn't get across the Red Sea. And, and he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Held up that rod and opened up. And three and a half million Jews walked across on dry ground. Pharaoh and his army come behind them. Turned the water loose and drowned the whole outfit. Same crowd. Same crowd that wandered around the wilderness. And he fed them with manna from heaven. I mean, God rained down angels' food. Same God. They, 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 they couldn't feed themselves, and God fed them. God delivered them. God brought them through the Red Sea. God fed them manna. Came down to the River Jordan, and same thing. Boy, priest bearing that ark, put his foot in the water, opened up, and they go across. They said, I mean, and, and when God opened up, the, when they come across, God, God's a great God. God's a great God. God's able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we're able to ask a thing. But you know what? Here's a group of people who've experienced so many things like that. And yet, you know what? They, they rejected God. They rejected God. They, they began to trust other things other than God. And, and it's a sad thing that people who have experienced so many wonderful things at the hand of God, when they couldn't help themselves, after a while get where they trust other things. Misplaced trust. And the church today... Can't have revival because of misplaced trust. Used to, we didn't have nothing. All we could do is seek God, beg God for the power of the Holy Ghost. But now we've got all kind of technologies. We've got, you know, we've got all kind of programs. We've got this, that, and the other. And churches across America don't have to trust the Holy Ghost. Truth of the matter is, he is omnipresent. But most, church, most religion could go right on without him. Don't have to have him. Don't have to have. They trusted falsely. And, and, and notice it says they walked back down to Egypt. And they have not asked counsel of me. 
misplaced trust. I mean, first person you ought to go to is the Lord. He said in Isaiah, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. But they wouldn't go to him. He could wash them. He could clean them. He could get them right. But they, 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 they don't trust him. But not only hinders revival is misplaced trust, but rejection of the word of God. Look over at verse number nine. This is a rebellious people, lying children, which, ha- which will not hear the law of the Lord. Which say to the seer, see not, to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy to see, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Oh, listen, he says in verse 12, wherefore thus saith the Holy One, because ye despise this word. Oh, listen, people... And the reason God's people can't have revival, reason of revival in church, not only misplaced trust, but a rejection, rejection of the Word of God. You know, it, it's not in the last days that there's not going to be preaching. I know there's going to be good preaching in the last days. You say, Brother Billy, don't you see all these false prophets? I know that, but also know this. God's not going to leave himself without a witness. And the famine in the last days is not of preaching the word of God. It is hearing the word of God. Isaiah was right on target, but they just wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't listen to it. I don't mean hear it audibly. I mean hear it in their heart. And my dear friend, he said, if my people which call my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from the weak way. People won't hear the word of God. So many people won't. I'm glad that anywhere anybody will hear it, God will do what he said he'd do. I mean, God, God will keep his word. Will you hear it? Will you hear it? Why don't you let God bless you? Why don't you let God, why don't you, if you're lost, why don't you let him save you, forgive all your sins, give you a home in heaven, take away all your sin. Thank God. What, what is wrong with that? What, I mean, what kind of deal is that, that you don't want that? Hey, how about God's people? He said, if you'll walk with me, seek me first, I'll add all these other things to you. Why in the world don't you hear his word? Why don't you hear his word? He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. Why don't you hear his word? I mean, I, I, people just, you know, they don't want to share. They don't want to give. But he said, listen, if you'll give, I'll give unto you good measure. Press down, shall men add to your soul, to you, to you. Listen, God's word's still true, but we won't hear it. God's people even won't hear it. But oh, listen, my dear friend, that misplaced trust and rejection of the word of God, not willing to hear the word of God. He said they were a rebellious people, lying people. But not only did they reject the word of God, notice in verse number 11, he said, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Here's what he's saying. Now listen to what he's saying. The Lord Jesus said, he said, listen, you serve the Lord with all your heart. You follow me. Follow me. And they said, just get him out of the way. We not get him out from before us. We're not going to follow him. We want to do. We, they refuse the leadership of the Lord. Now, let me tell you something. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I plead with you all the time. Mind the Holy Ghost. Just mind the Holy Ghost. Now, I, I know there is emotionalism. And I'm not. I, but now, praise God. I Sometimes it gets so dry. I don't care if I've got a little bit of wildfire myself. But Listen. Old Brother Loman used to say, 
He said, listen, when you, he's in a service one time and God, the Holy Ghost was blessed. And he's a very dignified man, but he, some of you remember him, old Wesleyan preacher. Boy, he loved God and walked with God. God get the blessing. Old Brother Loman get to wave in his hand. And this very dignified lady came up to him and said, Dr. Loman, said, why in the world do you do that? He said, I can't help it. He said, I just can't help it. He said, God just blesses me and throughout the word of God. Those who touch, who God touched, the Bible said they lifted up their hands, lift up their faces, and they raised their hand. He said, you know what that is, honey? And she said, no. He said, that's a lightning rod. And he said, he said, you'd raise yours up, but you're afraid you're going to get struck. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Worship it. God's people to worship him. God's people ought to worship him. And, and he, he said this. He said, I, I'll, I'll hear and answer your prayer. If you'll seek his face and pray. Yes, pray. Oh, listen, they reject the word of God. They're rebellious people. They've gone out. They said, God, we don't want you. Just let the Holy Ghost of God lead you. Obey him. Now, sometimes people sit around and wait for great big thing to happen for God to lead them. But I'm talking about God leading you in every little thing. When you begin to see him lead you in little things, I mean, just when you mind the Holy Spirit and just something real simple, real simple, what a difference it'll make. What a difference it'll make. Brother Timmy was sharing with me about a situation where he was at and something come up and he and his wife had a real need. It's when he was pastoring. And he got out and, and, and they prayed that morning with Melania, their little girl. And said, just a matter of time, there's a knock at the door. And one of his members come by and said, preacher, said, this morning I was a praying. And said, God, the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said, I want to give you something. And he said, he gave him a little envelope and left. And it's exactly what they needed with a little bit of extra thrown in. Now, you know who got blessed? Everybody got blessed. The fellow who minded the Holy Ghost, Brother Timmy and Wendy, and Melania. That little girl saw God's hand work just that fast. God still does that. Now, whichever end of that you're on, whether it's God moving on your heart to pray, whether it's God moving on your heart to do something for somebody else, or to speak a word, you'll never know what the Holy Ghost of God is doing. I shared this, maybe some of you remember telling about Homer Smith. Oh, Dr. Homer Smith up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, was pastoring over in Rossville, Georgia. He had this old fellow boy, he'd witnessed to him and witnessed to him. And the man wouldn't get saved. And he was in the hospital. Old man's in the hospital right at the point of death, he thought. And Homer said, he's in the middle of the night. He said, the Holy Ghost, God woke him up and said, you go to the hospital and you witnessed old so-and-so. And Homer said he got out in the middle of the night, said he felt like sure that was it. God's leading him. Old man's going to get saved. And he said he got his clothes on, went down there, went to that man's room. He was sound, sleeping sound as a log. I mean, just dead to the world. Homer said, I went in and had to shake him, wake him up. He rolled around, bad his eye, and he said, Preacher, what in the world are you doing here? He said, God, the Holy Ghost sent me here. God wanted me to come in here and tell you how to get saved. He said, well, go ahead and get at it and get over it and get out of here because I'm going to go back to sleep. And Homer said, man, he said, man, if God, Holy Ghost, if you're dealing with him, he don't know it yet. And, and he, he took... He took the word of God and talked and clearly explained how man's lost and on his way to hell. How you get saved. How you be born again by the grace of God. And he said he went through the whole plan. And the fellow sat there and he ain't been not a bit under conviction. I ain't felt nothing. And he said, 
he said, sir, he said, I've obeyed God. Don't you want to trust Christ now? He said, preacher, I appreciate you coming. He said, but no, I don't want to get saved now. He said, are you sure? He said, I, I don't care. He said, preacher, I appreciate you caring about me, but I don't feel a thing in the world. And Homer said, boy, he prayed and he said he never felt so defeated in all his life. Felt like he missed God a million miles. And he said he turned around and went out of the room when he opened the door. Said there's a little nurse standing there and she had a a chart in her hand and she was just crying tears falling out on that chart and said honey you all right she said i am now she said preach all night long i've been in a conviction walking up and down these halls and he, he said I, he said she said i don't know what in the world to do and she said i come by and i heard somebody talking in the room and i come and i listen and tonight god the holy ghost spoke to my heart showed me what i needed preach i just asked you to come in my heart and save me right now you don't know what god's doing but you've got to learn to mind him. Don't get out of our way, Holy Ghost. Get out of our way, Holy One of Israel. We're going to do what we want to do. But if God's people had ever learned just to mind the Holy Ghost, what a difference it'd make. We'd have real revival. Can't have revival if you reject the word of God. Can't reject the Bible if you, you trust in other things other than God. Can't have revival if you don't want the leadership of the Holy Ghost. You've got to mind the Holy Ghost. Oh, listen, how do you get revival? Oh, listen, the, res- the awful results of rejecting revival, the road to, to, dist- to judgment. He talks about all that. I, I want to get all- on past that. And we've seen it now in the age we're living in, the results of rejecting the word of God, re- the results of trying to do things our way and the world do things their way. But there is, my dear friend, something, a blessing in this path. I won't have time to deal with you. No, I'm not going to finish. But now watch. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's always been that way. Look at verse number 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. Now, he goes on and said they won't do that, but there's coming a time they will. And notice what it says, verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait, for he will be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. And then he goes on and he says in verse 19, for the people shall dwell that for the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. How many times is it given to us in the word of God? You don't have, you can't have confidence in other things. You've got to heed the word of God. You've got to mind the Holy Spirit. And he said, here's the key to it. Number one, return. I mean return. That word return, same thing as repenting. Turn from your sin, turn to the Savior, come to him. For the church, for the believer, you turn, return to him. And the word rest means to trust him completely. He says in this passage of scripture, he said, I will be gracious and merciful. He'll forgive our sins. And he said, when's he going to do that? When will he respond? When will he come in great power? When will he come in forgiveness? When will he come in cleansing? And when will he come in revival? He said this, when I heard their cry, I did answer them. Now, I'm not talking about, Lord, how about sinners revival? while you're eating your nachos and chips. That word cry, when he said, when I 
heard their voice when they cried to me. He said when they, the voice of their cry. Now, that word cry is an interesting word. It doesn't mean, Mama, could I do this? Or Mama, can I do that? Or Mama, will you help me pour milk on my cereal? That's the cry of somebody that's in desperation. Somebody that has got wounded and can't help themselves. Somebody that's entrapped and can't free themselves. That's somebody who's in great peril, great danger, and they cry in desperation for fear of their very life. That's what kind of cry that is. That's the cry of folk who said, God, if you don't help us, we're in a mess. That's the cry of people who genuinely, genuinely want God to do something for them. God will do that for you. He'll save anybody who knows that they can't help themselves. He'll save anybody who knows they're lost and on their way to hell and they're going to be saved. And he'll do that for any church and any group of people who say, God, we can't help it. We can't help ourselves. But God, we will return and we'll rest we're going to trust you. We believe you can. And listen, watch this. Look in verse number seven. For the Egyptians shall help in vain to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Now watch. Thy strength is to sit still. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that God don't want us to do nothing? No, it means this. Here comes this massive army of the Assyrians. They, can't, they can get all the Egyptians they want. They can, get, they, can, they can get their guns out. They can polish them up. They can get all their sticks and knives they got. They still ain't got a chance. But he said, if you want real victory, just like when you got ready to go across that, when he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, recognize this. That the greatest misplaced trust in the world is not your misplaced trust in Israel, Egypt or counselors. But it's when you trust in yourself to get the job done. He said, if you'll just let me do it, I can do it. But you've got to sit still and see the salvation of the Lord. Come to that point when you say, God, you've got to do it. I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. But God, I'm going to just see, sit still and see the salvation of the Lord.